Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, my usual co-host. That's not Rachel Santizo. It's one of our guests. And I will inter- Rachel is off today. I will introduce you to Kelly, Ashley, and Brooke uh, in just a second. We usually try to start out with a, with a news story or a news note. And this one sort of surprised me. And, and this is a kudo to Utah for the availability of Narcan or uh, is it, it, this is a new study from the RAND Corporation and they're talking about the cost of naloxone uh, and in some states in Utah I should point out that it's free that you can get it from Utah naloxone if you just go if you just google Utah naloxone uh, they'll they'll set you up with free we hand out free uh, uh, Narcan at, at our at Odyssey's medical clinic, Martindale, uh, but around the country, uh, for the cost of for uninsured people, the cost to buy naloxone or Narcan, Narcan uh, went up by 500 uh, percent, and right now it's 250 dollars for Narcan wow. in, yeah. in, in some states where they don't cover it, which is ridiculous because it's a life-saving drug that everybody should have. And the cool thing, do you guys have it on you? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. My 100%. car, my house, <laughs> work. Yeah. Yes. And you have it too? Oh, yes, of yeah. course, 100%. I, I mean, it's, to, to me, it's something... I don't live with anyone. I don't live with anyone. But, <laughs> uh, but to me, it's something you should have in your car at the very least because you never know when you're going to see somebody passed out on the street uh, that could be an overdose and the cool thing about uh, naloxone or narcan is that if the person passed out on the street is not suffering from an opioid overdose it won't do anything if you give it to them Mm -hmm. and we have a good samaritan law so that person can't sue you because you did that so better to be safe than sorry and, right. and, and save some lives so that's the news story okay and, well, my, and, and part of that too is like during the pandemic didn't you guys like pass out like 800 of them yeah in davis county really in a, in, mm-hmm. a, in a month so it's needed for sure oh yeah i mean it, it's just something everybody should have right you know because there's no danger to it and the you know the flip side of that is you can't get high from it or anything mm-hmm. like that, so you can't abuse it. Right. So it's like the perfect drug to help save lives. Well, and it usually happens when you least expect it too. Yeah, and and I've heard uh, a, a lot of uh, our clients who are heroin addicts talk about the fact that they use together frequently, so that if you see somebody else passed out that could be an overdose. You can save right. that person, mm-hmm. you know. That's happened to you a couple of times where I, with your friends, or they've mm-hmm. dragged into the hospital and panicked, and I just think it's important to have it on you. Yeah. For sure. Well, 10 years ago when Cody had overdosed, and at the time, nobody had it on him. You had to call the ambulance, you know, for them to do it, so it's... It's pretty awesome that they have this, where you can have it at home and with you, and right. it's easy to have... So my, my guests today are Kelly, Brooke, and Ashley. And you can't tell because she looks so young. But, uh, <laughs> but this is a mom who has dealt with two heroin-addicted daughters for how many years? 17 years. 17 years. Yeah. 
And it was just not heroin. It was everything you can think of. So, but they're here, they're alive, and doing well, so. And, and both of you are in recovery now. Mm-hmm. And you're how long? I will have six years in January. Wow. And Brooke? I just got seven months on Sunday. Way to go. Thank you. How do you feel, Mom? Oh, my gosh. I said today I'm not going to get emotional because I want to be able to talk. But when you have two addicted daughters and you know they're going to die any time, and they have died several times, or you get a phone call that they've overdosed and people don't know what to do with them, same with the Narcam, you know, and to watch them help themselves and help other people has been just overwhelming and amazing. These girls are, like when they were little and all this was starting, I just kind of put my head in the sand because I'm like, this is not happening to us because they were so easy to raise and they had good friends and they, for most of the time they did the right thing. So I really never worried about them. And then when they got to high school, I'm like, who are these children? I don't even know who they are but I put my head in the sand because I thought this is not happening to me and then when they got out it was just hell I can't explain it I can see the pain in other people's eyes like parents and when they come and talk to me and they ask me you know what to do and where they're at and I can see that they're way behind the curve like when I pulled my head out I was like what's happening like when they got into heroin I didn't even know how to spell heroin, <laughs> heroin. and I, yeah. I didn't know what that was I mean mm-hmm. and I partied like a rock star you know in college and then high school but I didn't have the disease so I didn't know what I mean you really got to grow up fast and you it, it's it's hard but to go back to your question is I'm so proud of them I can't stand it because there was a time that I thought they were going to die, and watching them die as a mom is so heartbreaking. And I used to pray and say, you know, how, how did this happen to me? Like, how do you have two kids and they're both addicted? What did I do wrong? What did I, oh, 100%, what did I do wrong? And there was even times that I would pray that they would die because they were so miserable and so they were trying to reach out for help. And I, as a mom, I couldn't help them. And there was time I would say, you know, this is going to be their life. I take them early, not take them late. And when they came through it, and, you know, Ashley's done amazing things, and Brooke's starting to do amazing things too, I'm so proud of them. And they're going to do things to change people. And it's, I get so emotional because I went from people telling me, your daughter sold me bad drugs or... Or, you know, your daughter's overdosing, too. I, I just want, you know, they'll come up and say, are you Ashley and Brooke's mom? And I'm like, yes. At the beginning, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Oh, because <laughs> it was all kinds of stuff. Like, yeah. and, and they'll say, you know, I just want you to know that Ashley saved my life. And, and Ashley got me into treatment. And Brooke's starting to get there, too, you know. And... And I'm thinking now, before I say, oh, my God, why me? And now I'm saying, oh, thank you, God, for giving me this opportunity because these girls have made me grow in ways I thought I would never, never grow. It made you a lot stronger, Oh, I am tough as nails, yeah. I remember some phone calls with you (laughs) where, because I have known Kelly for a number of years, 
Um, and, and it'd be like, what do I do? I, I don't know, but, you know, uh, that kind of, and, oh, and I understand. I, yeah, and, and, you know, and we paid a ton of money that, to get them sober, oh. and we dragged them from place to place, and this is what you're going to do. But until they're ready, there's not a thing you can do exactly. about it. And where Ashley got sober was the cheapest place we ever paid. <laughs> and I was like, it, it's just insanity, and that's why I know for sure it's a family disease because I'm just as sick as they are, or I played my role too of enabling, saying it's not happening. You have been an enabler. Oh, yes, yes. you know that for yes, sure. You know that. Yeah. Something, something that strikes me is that addiction knows no boundaries in terms of socioeconomic status because this is a family that I think it's safe to say is upper middle class living in a nice suburb and, and, and you have nice things. Mm -hmm. And so you guys never were wanting for stuff when you were growing up, I'm sure. Right. Uh, so, uh, and, and so it's not just, you know, when some people who don't understand addiction think it's the person down on Rio Grande. And while it is, it's also people like you. So maybe let's hear from each of you. Uh, Ashley, when, how, did, how did your addiction start and how bad did it get? Um, so my addiction started when I was 15. Um, I started, you know, smoking weed, drinking, just started kind of on the weekends. I ended up getting really sick and having, like, stomach problems. I went to the doctor, um, and they told me I had endometriosis, so then they prescribed me Lorta for the pain and also Xanax. Um, and so I was taking those as prescribed, but then... I think I started drinking more, and then when I was hungover, I'm like, oh, I'll just take like a Lortab, or I'll just take a Xanax, and it just kind of slowly snowballed. Um, and I first started heroin when I was about 21. Um, Injecting, or snorting, or smoking, or what? I started smoking, and I like ran out of my pain pills, so the next thing was to do heroin. Um, I went over to one of my um, ex-boyfriend's house and he was injecting heroin and asked me if I wanted to do it and I did and I ended up overdosing um, and he had to, you know, call the ambulance, give me CPR and that's kind of really when my addiction really took off. And how long did it, how long till you find until you found recovery that lasted for a while oh gosh I don't know so I've been sober almost six years this is definitely the longest I don't think I've ever gone more than maybe a month being completely 100% sober like once I started I didn't stop I mean, I think I, I also substituted stuff. Like, I would go to treatment, my first treatment. I went for pills and got out, and I'm like, okay, I'm done with pills. And then I would start doing heroin. But then I'd go to treatment, and I would stop doing heroin, and then I'd be like, okay, I can't do pills and heroin, so let's start drinking. And then I'd go, so just kind of, I just kept switching my addiction until I finally ran out of addictions and stuff to use and there's plenty out there i know <laughs> right when did you start or, or how um i had a lo 
lot of friends using pills. I didn't really use pills, and then I started using pills. And after so many days, your body needs it, you know? So um, we were doing the pills, and then kind of the same thing. Um, there was no more pills. And so the next thing we had in order not to be sick um, was heroin. So... Uh, How yeah. long were you in active addiction? Um, I started around 14, but it didn't really start getting heavy until about 21. And then, yeah, it was just all downhill from there. So mom here has two daughters who are using at the same time. Did you guys use together and did you stick together? in like an alliance against mom, or how did that work? Um, we definitely became very sneaky. Um, I, we started, I started smoking weed with her when she was about 14. We were just with some friends, not going to school, and I'm like, this is what we're doing. Um, and then she just, her and her friends started slowly hanging out with me and my friends, and. We were missing school and hanging out with older kids that were getting into trouble. And, and did you guys lie together to Kelly? Oh, yeah. We were definitely a, a team, unless, you know, unless we're we Kelly were. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I would, I'd be on to one, and I'm like, I got this now. And with my husband, Mike, I mean, he's a rock for sure. But I get one, and I'd be like, "Oh, we got her. We get to get her into treatment." In my mind, we're going to get her sober. And the other one would be like, "Have fun with that. I'll hide your stuff." You know, I mean, the Jeez. stuff we would go through their closets, we would go through everything, but they were hiding each other's stuff. Or you know, I lived on my own with my ex-boyfriend at the time, and she would get in trouble, get kicked out, and then here I was picking her up and bringing her back to my house. Like it just was. A very toxic environment. Yeah, but that wasn't until your 20s. Uh, right. But when you guys were at home, way before you moved out, it was a mess. And, mm -hmm. and I always thought, and my husband always thought, oh, we're going to know what to do. Because we partied. We've had, you know, problems. We've had things. We'll know what to do. Oh, no. This is a total different game now. Yeah. I mean. Well, and plus my parents worked a lot. So they weren't, they weren't home. They didn't really, ha they didn't have an idea of what we were doing so at home. So you had a lot of freedom to we use. We did, yeah. yeah. Do you, parents, so I, I, I chair a family support group, and, and parents always ask the question that you did, what did I do wrong? Did mm -hmm. she do something wrong to get you guys into drugs? No, see, this is the thing, like, even the, to this day, my mom will... I guess, uh, blame herself, you know, like, oh, we, I went through a divorce. I really messed you guys up. Well, I mean, it probably played an effect in our addiction, but like it made us into who we are today. So I don't think anything she could have done or changed would have changed the outcome of our like addiction. Brooke, do you blame her at all? Mm-mm. What? No. I feel like we all have a journey here, and um, regardless of what she, you know, uh, how can I put this, what she thinks she's done or whatever the case, that's what we're here for, it's a learning experience. So I don't think, I don't blame her. No. Have you stopped blaming yourself? 
90 percent of the time okay i'm getting better you know through through therapy and help and being with other parents and um just doing what i can you know to help others it helps me you brought up the fact that you you sent them you spent tons of money <laughs> at for-profit treatment centers yeah why you, do you think i was working so yeah, much well, and, <laughs> and you brought up the fact that the one that seemed to be the most successful was the least expensive oh by far which one was that i went to the women's retreat in ogden okay and is that a is that a non-profit or a for-profit or what? Yeah, it's a non-profit. It's a 12-step base, and it's all volunteers. And why did that work more than some of the more expensive ones, which can be very expensive, as you well know? Oh, yeah. I was ready. I was ready for change. I was ready to grow up. I was ready to be in recovery. I think all the other times, like, the first couple times I went, I did it for my parents, I did it for my family, I did it for everybody else. But deep down inside, I knew I wasn't ready to quit drugs or using. Um, and so I definitely think that you need to be ready and you need to know that you are done and willing to make that change. Rook, why did you, what, 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 what was your last treatment center? Diamond Tree. I was trying to think. It was Diamond Tree in Kaysville. And is that a for-profit or a non-profit? Um, I don't know. Well, you we had, had to pay. pay. Yeah, we yeah. had to pay okay. a lot yeah. up front, which yeah. Okay. And then she and then she makes payments. Yeah. Okay. So why why did it seem to work for you this time? Um, well, I have a child now. Um, I was just tired of being sick and tired and um they're kind of like um holistic so it was like healthy eating we went to the gym every day so i felt mentally stronger than i have at any other place the magic question that everybody like in the family support group that i that i uh, facilitate is what 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 finally got you sober and you can't you know and I think maybe you hit the nail in the head that you wanted it you right. know for yourself is, yeah. is, is that a, a good answer because I don't have a good if somebody had a perfect answer it'd be the most successful treatment center in the world saying right. we know what can get get you into recovery yeah what is it, is it just the desire for yourself yeah I think like hitting rock bottom losing everything just being miserable day after day after day and just knowing that nothing is going to change until you get off the drugs the alcohol change your environment your friends like you really have to hit a certain point in your life where you're ready to change how about you Brooke um I feel like if I'm not healthy within myself everything else is gone down I can't hold relationships, I can't take care of myself, I can't take care of anything else. So, yeah, it does ultimately come down to me. A lot of people tell me that I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. The one thing that I really noticed that as a parent, when they say they hit rock bottom, I'm like, all right, let's do this, let's stand up. Well, I didn't know there were so many rock bottoms. Yeah. And you know, and the rock bottom has a basement. And I'm like, what? I thought you hit your rock bottom. Well, yeah. like 20 rock bottoms, you're like, 
And finally, you have to get to the point where you got to save your, I had to save myself, you know. It's like, it, that, that was hard too. But that, I think, that was better, don't you guys think, than me always coddling you and trying to figure out where you're supposed to go, right. you know. As soon as I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm dying, you know. Well, once she got strong, like, we realized that she's not putting up with our, with our shit anymore. Mm-hmm. Um because we, you know, we know how to manipulate. We know well, how to... And, and she, she's an easy one. Yeah. I mean, you know. Right. I an easy one. <laughs> but I'm not anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and see, that's the thing that I, that I talk to you about a lot. And you could never seem to grasp the idea of setting boundaries and enabling oh. and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty bad about that, which was good for you as, as that. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, it was great for them. <laughs> And, yeah, and I know when you had that conversation with me so many times, and I just couldn't get it because it was like, yeah, I can see it in other families, but not in mine. This shouldn't be happening to mine, you know? Like, yeah, it's just a whole, uh, it's just sheer craziness is what it is. We had a therapist in our family support group who would use the expression when a mom like you who didn't know what to do and everything asked about it and said, well, is he still living at your, or she, living at your place and, and are you providing food and, and money and stuff like that? Yeah. And his expression was, throw the bum out. You know? yeah. And, yeah. And, and I've always, what, I've, what I've learned from years of, of working with, uh, with parents or, or loved ones who have addicted loved ones is that that's, that's a very hard thing to do because I, in my, my comparison is there's a, a big de- disconnect between the brain and the heart oh, as sure. a parent because the brain, if I tell, if, if you call me and I say, well, if you're, if you're giving them money and yeah. making life easy for them to continue yeah. using, yeah. that's stupid. Make, yeah. you know, throw them out, yeah. you, you know. Well, but the heart says, I'm a mom and I love them. Right, yeah. And the thing about it is, too, that's so crazy is we, get, we did get to that point where we did throw them out and we were done. Thank, all I have to do, say is thank God for their dad and my husband because doctors would tell me, don't go and get them. Throw them out. Don't go and get them. But then the doctors would also tell me, go home and call or tell us, go home and call everybody you know because to, the next phone call will be for a funeral. Well, how do you sit and wait? But we would throw them out, and it was so hard because I think sometimes, Brooke, and I don't know about Ashley, but they feel that I turn my back on them sometimes, and I had to. But if I didn't have my husband, I would probably still, and people like you just trying to push me along, but every time a doctor would say, don't go after them, don't go after them, I would be in my car because I didn't want to find them in a ditch or I didn't want that phone call that parents get, that your child has passed away. My husband would come out and say, we're going to do what they tell us to do. You're not going anywhere. You're not to get them. And there are times that I sneak out because I just needed to peek in a window to see if they're alive. I had a, it, was, it was sheer craziness. And then it got even crazier when they had babies. Because I'm like, if I took their kids... They'd go off the rail. If I left them there, I didn't know what kind of danger they were in. A mom's place is so hard because you're right. You cannot wrap your head around your heart because your heart gets your head. You were addicted to their addiction. Oh, 
Yes. And the other expression mm -hmm. we use is is killing them with your love. Yes. You know, because you're making it easier for them to do their thing, even though it doesn't seem like you oh, are. Oh, I've even know. gone into places for drug deals and didn't even know I was in a drug deal. <laughs> Somebody stole my camera, and I'm like, somebody got, has your camera? We're going to go in and get it right now. And she was just going in to do a drug deal. You wow. know, I'm, and all these things, I'm like, I'm idiot. But... You know, you just do the best you can, you Let, know. Let's, uh, we have about five minutes left. Let's talk about recovery. How, describe what recovery has done for your lives. Oh, wow. It has, it's definitely changed my whole life. Every relationship I have has meaning. My life has meaning. Um, when I first got into recovery, I was scared. Sure. I, you know, I got out of treatment. I'm like, I thought I was going to be happy, feeling healthy, feeling good, and reality kind of sets in, and you're like, oh, shit, this is not what I thought it was going to be. But with, you know, with patience and continuing to put one foot in front of the other, like, I was able to, you know, build a wonderful life, and I still, you know, my community, um, my support system is super important to me. I think your work. case is critical as an example that you stay involved with the recovery community. Right, you know, yes. Like sober softball yes. and meetings and stuff like yes. that. Yes, like it's important. You've got to, like it's what fills my heart, what makes me happy and being around my people and being around my friends and my family, like it's, it's amazing. Brooke, what's, you're in shorter term recovery, but what's it like for you? Mm, I think, um, I mean, are you still struggling to find happiness or not? No, not necessarily. I've always worked my own program, so I'm really trying to take suggestions and just listen, you know, to what's worked for other people and, you know, just take it one day at a time. With, uh, with the time we have left, let's talk about your guys' service project now. Mm -hmm. It's called the, what, Ashley Michelle Project? Yeah. Yes. Okay, who's Michelle? This is Michelle. Mm -hmm. Her her name is Michelle Brooke. Okay, yeah. so it's yeah, you two sisters working yes. on. Yes. And, and this podcast will come out before one of your events that you have planned, even though people may watch it a yeah. year from now or whatever. Right. But yeah. So you have what... What is, first of all, what is the Ashley Michelle Project? Well, the Ashley Michelle Project, of course, is named after them. And we want to help women in recovery when they get out of treatment. What I found is, and this is just my own opinion, we would keep all their apartments and everything else while they went to treatment. When everybody get out of treatment, there's a, to me, there seems like there's a big hole between treatment and recovery and getting back on your life. So when I go to meetings and stuff, they're like, you can do this, you can get a job, you can get your kids back, and then they're couch surfing. Right. So they would go back to their part, apartments in their normal life, and then they'd get a knock on the door. Because the people they went to treatment with, their family has cut them off, which right. is fine, they need to, but it was a recipe for relapse. That's what happened. That's why we've done 16 detoxes and 14 rehabs. Not blaming on that, but there's a huge hole in here. So what we want to do is we want to do a bridge between treatment and, and life. So you're talking about transitional soberness. Yes, yes. But I don't, I'm going to call it something different, but I'm just, 
you know, we just need to help women, and we want them to have their kids back. We want them to have a life, and we want them to function normally. So we want to build a community of our own. And you're you're a nonprofit. Uh, you have an event. At the time we're recording this, you have an event coming up. Yes, it's um, our first event is October seventh, and it's a golf tournament at the White um, Barn at in. The barn. Yep, in Ogden. Yep, mm -hmm. uh -huh. the barn in, uh, I always call it the white barn because yeah. I'm from Ogden. It's yeah. in North Ogden. And then we have a softball tournament October 22nd at Barnes Park in Kaysville. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have a goal? Of, like, do you want to have a, like a transitional living house? Mm -hmm. or, or yes, what? yeah, we're going to have a transitional living house. And then our goal is to build a community where a, when somebody comes out, they have a, a little home and a little piece of property that they take care of. And then I'm also working with companies that will hire people, you know, that have records. I, and I, it's been amazing. I can barely talk about that, how many people have shown up for us. Like, the amount of people have been insane. The donations, the people. I have doctors show up. I have therapists show up. I have people that just want to help because everybody's been affected. Sure. So we're going to do all this. And in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're going to work with treatment centers and work with you. So on a referral basis, if somebody comes out of treatment, then Brooke will do a makeover on them at our salon in Bountiful. And then we went and got a storage unit that we turned into a closet. So then Ashley will take them down to the closet and they can pick out the clothes they need, any Hygiene kind of personal. Is, yes, any personal everything, things Narcan, that they need. clothing, women, cool. men, cool. children. Yeah, and then also we're doing a lot of community service, you know, with the homeless and the Narcan and mm -hmm. anything we can think of to be a service because there's a reason that why we went through this and we need to help other people. And I just say, if I, I died tomorrow, what kind of person would I be if I didn't help other mothers that are like me sure. or other families that are going through? Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you. See, doesn't 30 minutes pass quickly? <laughs> yeah. These guys were all nervous when we were talking about it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.